Welcome to the Global Council podcast, where we share our latest insights on recent developments in politics and policy in the UK, Europe and worldwide. Hi, welcome to the regular Global Council uh, podcast. I'm Conan Darcy, uh, practice lead for tech, media and telecommunications. In a previous life, I was a uh, parliamentary assistant and policy advisor on financial services and international trade policy in the European Parliament. And uh, that is relevant because today we are going to be talking about engaging with the EU institutions. One of the questions which we are repeatedly asked by clients is, how do we engage with the EU institutions when those institutions are no longer meeting in the same way that they always did that events are not happening, that bilateral meetings are not taking place in person. So how do we make sure that our messages, whether that's around crisis measures to do with COVID-19 or the more day-to-day policy agenda in Brussels, how do we we communicate with policymakers and make sure our voice is still heard? So as part of that, we're going to focus today on public consultations run by the European Commission, but obviously there are... Uh, similar uh, processes run at national level and a lot of the advice here would be relevant there too. But we're going to focus primarily today on Brussels, what consultations are for, why you should in any event have been thinking about engaging with and responding to them and why that's even more important now uh, in the current crisis. Thankfully, I am not alone today. I am joined by two highly esteemed colleagues. Uh, First of all, Amena Gilda Boccabella. She is our energy practice lead in Brussels, where she engages with the EU institutions on a daily basis. She's been at the heart of EU policymaking for a number of years and has followed regulatory packages from their inception in a dark corridor in the European Commission all the way to their completion in the light and day of a European parliamentary vote. I'm also joined by uh, Daniela Gicagiano, who is a senior associate in our financial services team. She's recently joined us, um, having served uh, stints both in the legal services of the European Commission and ESMA, uh, the securities uh, regulator, and having worked in some of the most prestigious uh, big four consultancies in Europe. So we are in good hands today. Um, So I want to just um, kick off, Daniela, by uh, passing over to you. Um, Take us through why consultations are important, how companies should think about approaching them. Thanks a lot, um, Conan. Um, yeah, so consultations are not uh, are not from yesterday. They are with us um, in the EU affairs since two decades ago. Uh, they started with the Prodi Commission uh, when actually they were seen as a tool for good governance and an ethical principle. Their evolution um, was quite high during the Barossa Commissions. Um, where they began to be like more of a regulatory strategy and they evolved um, to be for better regulation. And uh, under the Juncker Commission, um, they they evolved even more. So there was a better regulation agenda when the consultations started to be the upfront um, of the stakeholder engagements, but not only um, in the uh, in in the moment 
when the the legislation is drafted, but also in the inception moment, so for impact assessment, and uh, before sending a proposal to the co-legislators. So we know that EU laws in general are the expression of a compromise, but also um, the European Union wants to be a transparent and accountable mechanism. This is why they engage a lot with different stakeholders from businesses NGOs to also um, academia. This is why consultations as like a general term are now uh, being used but not that used so this is an opportunity for us working remotely um, during this crisis um, to engage more and more with the Commission but also with the regulatory um, bodies like the um, executive agencies. At the moment we're in a particular part of the political cycle where um, there is a, a large amount of policy making and, and a, large, a large amount of kind of strategizing about what the EU agenda is going to look like. For the von der Leyen Commission especially, they have identified uh, two areas of absolute priority, one of them being the European Green Deal and of course the other being the digital transition. We saw from the EU industrial uh, strategy that these two big policy agendas are seen as, as equally important um, and in fact they've been given the name the twin transitions. Um, and this area, in this particular moment in time in the political cycle, the Commission has got a number of uh, public consultations which they've opened up to be able to get an understanding about what the public appetite for different uh, emissions reductions activities or different digital activities or even um, uh, even things like the circular economy and how the European agenda is going to develop. Public consultations are a really effective way for companies, for NGOs, for uh, civil society stakeholders to engage at the EU level and to really put forward some of their strategies and, and, and some of their particular positions on different elements of policy making and different elements of regulation. And of course, now is, is effectively a, a really good time to be able to sit down um, as a corporation and review the different uh, EU, EU measures which are currently on the EU agenda and actually provide some feedback. And this feedback can be, can be really useful. Um, in the past, I've looked at uh, different sorts of public consultations. Uh, one that particularly comes to mind was when the European Union was regulating um, in their, when they were regulating for the reach chemicals uh, regulations uh, there are there was a huge amount of public consultations about what the sort of uh, compliance could be um, whether or not small companies and SMEs would be able to operate under a highly regula regulated chemical regime and what it would do for those businesses and how those businesses would be able to prosper all of these public consultation responses are available online and in some ways they're a really great example to look back and see how uh, policy has developed and see what the political appetite um, has, has, how the political appetite has changed over the years. Later on in the political cycle when actual regu regulations and directives starts, start to develop, 
um, often public consultations that have been done earlier on in the policy making process can be a really useful tool for corporations to be able to sit down and have a look at alliances that they might be able to find in other industries. Um, in a past life, when I've been when I've been consulting on um, on on other regulatory developments, um, we were able to identify a number of alliances when we were working on a particular policy element by looking at uh, the public consultation responses uh, and see where there were alignments in different sectors and sectors that our clients hadn't even thought of engaging with. So public consultations in that sense can be really useful in the in the process of uh, putting together your, your engagement strategy when it comes to the EU. Conan, I'm sure you had quite a lot of experience dealing with public consultations when you're in the European Parliament. Do you want to so tell us about slightly, some of those? The EP has a slightly complex role in public consultation processes. Uh, their own initiative reports, which is their the sort of internal jingo for reports which set out the Parliament's position but is non-binding legally, they do those often in response to a commission strategy and a commission consultation process. So the parliament themselves try to input into the policy-making consultation process that the commission undertakes. So in some sense, they are both a customer for corporate views on policy, but they're also a competitor at early stages of the legislative process in trying to influence what the European Commission's draft legislative proposal looks like. So I think there's two main ways uh, that companies need to think about this. One is that there is a core group of MEPs and staff members who take consultation responses extremely seriously in order to try and steer the positions that they take. We're mostly speaking about here the rapporteur, potentially a shadow rapporteur or two. So the rapporteur is the MEP who will lead for the parliament in drafting their um, their legislative amendments. Uh, shadow rapporteurs will be the nominees of other groups. But in addition, it will be their staff members, so the parliamentary assistants and policy advisors, but also the committee secretariats who support the rapporteur in the drafting of the parliament's position. These people will take very seriously consultation responses and they will look through what is tabled to the European Commission even if companies themselves don't send it to them. The second is if you are a company in more traditional times who is going to want to meet with MEPs who may be the rapporteur but they might just be another MEP on that committee and you want to influence the positions that they're going to take, having done a consultation is just a sign of being credible and serious and showing that you have some policy depth around you and that you are committed to the legislative process that is spoken about. If you don't have one, then you seem often less credible in the eyes of the policymakers themselves. Now, this is not to say that every MEP and every parliamentary assistant is going to wade through a lengthy consultation response, uh, but clearly you can uh, you can send them both the consultation response and a much more distilled version, a one or two sider, which gets your headline messages across. But having done so, puts you in the process and make sure that you are taken seriously when the parliament starts to take on corporate views and incorporate those into their own amendments. 
Did you ever find, Conan, when you were in the parliament that uh, sometimes companies would come with other responses as well from public consultations in a way to fortify their own messaging? In terms of taking other companies, so they'll see other responses and then deploy them with the parliamentary MEPs. Yeah, along with their own. Is, is that a method that you, that you saw? Yeah, I think that's the case. I mean, I think you, you, what you will often find is that you will have larger companies who MEPs are very familiar with and can often anticipate the arguments that those companies will make, will quite successfully use the responses tabled by other organisations who MEPs are less familiar with and who actually the MEPs might be more sympathetic with uh, in order to make the case that their argument isn't just in their, the company's own narrow self-interest, but has a wider economic uh, imperative and support behind it, uh, and therefore makes the greater case for that argument. So yeah, that sort of tactic has often been used quite successfully by lots of different organisations. And of course, the public consultations aren't just uh, aren't just restricted to the European Commission. Daniela, you've worked a lot in EU executive agencies. Would you like to tell us about some of the public consultation experience that you've had working with some of those exec- executive ad- agencies? Sure. Um, well, I have the experience uh, with one of the the three ESAs, um, and their public consultations are one of the most useful and important tools when um, dr- when drafting of guidelines or even drafting of um, advice or even for regulatory technical standards or implementing technical standards um, are, uh, are in place. Um, and also my former colleagues uh, from ESMA and from what I know from other um, from the other two ESAs, uh, they are very keen to receive um, consultations and input from stakeholders, from different stakeholders, and they are paying attention to every response because um, consultations are seen as a way not only to engage and to be more transparent, but also to assess the needs of the market participants and to, to have better rules um, in place and also you have to take into account that in executive agencies and when we talk about um, regulatory agencies not only in financial services but also in energy or in the chemical area um, we we see a network of national regulators so the guidelines for example elaborated by these agencies are also um, for the national regulators and national regulators will also give their input so it's a um, different structure than the, the than we see in the commission or we see it at the parliament but it's um, a tool those consultations um, are actually a common tool for all the the stakeholders specialized stakeholders now and they are quite uh, useful for um, for the regulatory agencies and that because then uh, their work um, is sent to to the Commission. So I think um, in this period, um, not only businesses, but also other stakeholders or interested parties should pay attention 
to to the consultations um, which are still running and we can see that both the uh, executive agencies and the commission uh, put up in place many consultations in different areas, uh, especially in, with the Green Deal, um, but also many in the financial sector um, area. That's right, and we've also seen a number of uh, a number of public consultations being opened up as well in in the digital area. Well, thank you both for joining me. We've I think this has been a really great conversation. We've obviously heard about a little bit of the history behind public consultations, how they can be used, especially now in moments when a lot of the bureaucrats will be otherwise desk-bound and engaging with the commission seems something that, you know, is 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 a little bit out of reach. Um, we've also heard that public consultations are a really good way to for for the commission and for regulators to assess the needs of the market to assess the needs of national regulators, to assess the needs of civil society, but also to assess the needs of companies as well um, as important stakeholders in policy development. Thank you both um, for joining me on this on this call and looking forward to be a, being able to have further discussions about uh, EU developments with you both later on. For more insights, blogs and analysis, you can visit our website www.global-council.com and subscribe to our mailing list. And you can follow us on Twitter at global underscore council.